Let's pray and ask God for his help. Let's pray together. Our gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you for giving us your word, the Bible. We pray that you'll please make us wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. We pray that you would teach us, rebuke us, correct us, train us in righteousness, that we may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't want to be boastful, but my son Joshua has a lot of musical talent. Uh, he's got a great ear, um, he's coordinated, all comes from his mum of course, um, and when he was about four, Joshua was desperate to take up the piano. So we got him a teacher, Emily Mostert, and we started him on lessons. The thing is, it didn't take Joshua long to realise something. Having a couple of music lessons doesn't make you a musician. Uh, you can't just pick up a musical instrument and straight away play like an expert. It takes grind. It takes daily practice. It takes hard work. It takes discipline. Uh, I know when I was a kid I took up an instrument, but when I couldn't play like an expert straight away I gave up. Uh, but this time, as a couple of years ago I took up the guitar again, I had some, had some people say some helpful stuff to me. David Leviston uh, he said this. He said, Jeff, you've got to realise it takes about six years of consistent practice to get your hands around a musical instrument. I found that really encouraging. I thought, well, there, there's something to aim for. There's a, there's a goal to keep in mind. If I can stick at it for six years, I should be able to play okay. Uh, Paul Sun from our evening congregation, he also told me something really helpful. He said, when you get frustrated, when you, get, uh, when you feel like chucking it in, you've you got to keep looking ahead. You've got to say, look, I'm better than I was a month ago. I'm not as good as I will be in a month. Just got to press on, press on. It's the same with a lot of stuff that's worthwhile, isn't it? It takes time. It takes discipline. You have to press on with it. Uh, you don't uh, just walk into uni and get a degree. Not, not a fair income degree anyway. You have to strive for it. You don't, you don't just dive into a swimming pool and win an Olympic gold medal. You have to strive for it. You have to press on towards the goal. When this section of Philippians, the Apostle Paul says it's the same with being a Christian and getting to heaven. When you become a Christian... You don't just straight away find yourself perfect. All your sin isn't suddenly gone. When you become a Christian, you don't just suddenly find yourself in heaven. You're still here. You're still you. You still struggle. You have to keep pressing on to the goal. Now you may remember from last week, uh, Paul was talking about some false teachers. He said some pretty tough stuff about them, didn't he? But, but their big problem was they were saying... Trusting Jesus, that's not enough to make you a fair income Christian. They were saying you have to be Jewish as well. You've got to get circumcised, you've got to obey the Old Testament laws. They were saying you have to do a whole heap of stuff yourself to get right with God. But Paul said, he said, no way. He said, we can't do anything ourselves to fix up our relationship with God. Doing Jewish things is not going to fix it, neither will anything else you can think of. No amount of religion, no amount of 
good heritage, no amount of morality, no amount of anything else can cover our sins and put us right with God. Paul says, only Jesus can do it. Only Jesus can do it. We've got to rely on Jesus alone. And then he told us about his own example. He said, look, I tried the whole rely on yourself thing. I was a model Jew. I did all the right things. But he says, I realized now it was a dead end. It's loss. It's rubbish. It's, it's uh, manure, he says. Uh, that's even more polite than he says it. Uh, look with me at uh, chapter 3. And uh, just near the end of verse 8, just near the end of verse 8, this is Paul talking about all his attempts to get himself right with God. And he says this, he says, verse 8, I consider them literally dung, rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that's from the law, not a do-it-yourself righteousness, no, no, having that righteousness which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith, Paul realised there's no way he can earn his own passage to heaven. He needs to rely on the crucified and resurrected Jesus. Jesus is the only way to heaven. But in our passage today, in verse 12, Paul reminds the Philippians, he says, I'm not there yet. Okay? While he's still alive, he had not yet been resurrected and made perfect. Verse 12. Uh, not that I've already obtained all this. Or have already been made perfect. He says, I'm not perfect yet. I'm not in heaven yet. And so he says, I keep on striving. Striving to trust Jesus. Striving to live for him no matter what happens. Striving towards that last day when he does gain Christ. And he is found in him having that righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. Halfway through verse 12, Paul hasn't been made perfect. And so, but he says, I press on. Press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Hey, you know, this is an important thing for us to get clear in our own minds. Uh, there are Christians around the place who talk about the, uh, the victorious life. Uh, they say you can get so good as a Christian that you stop sinning. Um, it goes back to the early Methodists in the 1700s, back in the time of John Wesley. Uh, that's where this doctrine kind of uh, came about. John Wesley didn't think it about himself. He was way too, um, had much too much insight into himself. But in his diary, he talks about a woman he met who told him, he said, John, I haven't sinned for years. And he believed her. Uh, some people claim that we can stop sinning in this life. But I like the story about the preacher, C.H. Spurgeon, the old Baptist preacher. Uh, Spurgeon was talking to a bloke and uh, this bloke said something to him similar to what uh, the, the lady said to John Wesley. He said, uh, look, uh, Mr. Spurgeon, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, now perfect. I don't sin anymore. Uh, you know what Spurgeon did? Chucked a glass of water in his face. Uh, the bloke got such a shock that he started abusing Spurgeon. He used all kinds of bad language. And Spurgeon said, he said, I knew your old man. Your sinful nature wasn't dead. Could easily be revived with just a glass of water. <laughs> <laughs> the reality is, uh, like Paul, while we're still alive, uh, we're not yet made perfect. Just add water, so to speak, and our sin is quick to spring up. Uh, the doctrine that says we can stop sinning now, we can be perfect now, it's a false doctrine. It's not true. Uh, Paul says it. 
He says, I'm not yet perfect, and we can't be perfect. We can't be perfect as long as we are here in this world, as long as we are here in these bodies, as long as we are the people that we are, unchanged. As Christians, we should be trying not to sin, but the reality is, here in this life, it is always going to be a struggle. Always going to be a struggle. This is false teaching. But it's not just false teaching, it's dangerous teaching. It's really dangerous teaching. Let me give you some examples of some of the dangers. Uh, firstly, this, this idea uh, that we can be without sin, it leads to hypocrisy. We're told we can be perfect. We obviously can't be perfect. And so what we do, we pretend. Uh, put on a face. Hypocrisy. Uh, can also lead us to despair. You, you get told that as a Christian you should suddenly be perfect. doesn't happen and can't and won't happen. It can lead you to despair. It can lead you to think Christ has no power. It can lead you to, to, to give up on Christ. It can also lead us to minimise sin. If we're told we can be without sin and we keep on sinning, well then obviously the sins that we do are not real sins, so we redefine them, say they're just, I don't know, something other than sin. Friends, sin is bad. We ought to stop sinning. But we've got to have realistic expectations as well. Like Paul says, here in this life, we're not going to be perfect. Verse 13, he says it again. He says he doesn't yet have perfection. So what he does, he presses on towards the goal. He, he, he leaves the past behind. And he looks forward. He keeps his eyes fixed ahead, striving to trust Jesus and gain that prize of heaven. Verse 13. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what's behind, straining towards what's ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. Uh, last Friday I took my kids uh, to the beach after school, picked them up from school, took them to the beach, and uh, they were having races on the beach over at uh, Collaroy. They were racing from a wall over to the surf club. It would have been maybe close to 100 metres, something like that. And... Uh, came down to two of them, just uh, my, my older son Joel, who was here a second ago, and, and my slightly younger son Daniel. And uh, to make it even, I gave Daniel seven second head start. And so Daniel bolts off. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And then off goes Joel, straight after him. Hot pursuit. It uh, should have been enough. Daniel was fast enough to win. And, and I was yelling out to him, saying, Daniel, keep your eyes forward. Don't look back. Just run fast. Just keep going. But he couldn't help himself. <laughs> He looked back to see where Joel was, slowed him down, and of course Joel ran past him and won. Poor little thing. I'm an older son. I've got no sympathy, really. <laughs> but, uh, those of you who are younger children will feel great sympathy, I'm sure. <clears throat> Paul hadn't made it to heaven yet. The race wasn't finished. The surf club is in front. He's not yet been found in Christ. He's not yet perfect. And so he says he fixes his eyes on the goal doesn't look back, doesn't dwell on the past, focuses his attention on heaven to come, eyes forward, and he strives to live with Jesus as his saviour and Lord. That's what Paul did. And in the next section of the letter, Paul tells the Philippians they need to do the same. Our first thing he says is you've got to get your doctrine straight. You've got to take the right view on this. You've got to believe that this stuff is true, that they can't make it to God on their own, that they need Jesus, that, that as Christians they're not perfect yet and so that they need to strive and, and put the past behind and press onto the goal. 
Paul says, this is what mature Christians believe. Verse 15. All of us who are mature should take such a view of things. Uh, if you don't believe at all, Paul says, God will make it clear. If not now, at the last day, when you get to heaven, you'll realise I'm right, says Paul. Uh, verse 15, if on some, and if on some point you think differently, that too will God will make clear to you. He says, one way or the other, you've got, you got to keep going. In Christ, you've attained something real. You, you have been declared righteous. The promise of heaven is before you in Christ. Now you've got to press on. Verse 16, only let us, let us live up to what we've already attained. They've got to press on. That's going to mean taking Paul's view, believing what he believes. But more than that, it's going to mean following his example. It's going to mean following the example of other mature Christians who've got this straight. Verse 17. Join with others in following my example, brothers. And take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. He says, you've got to follow my example. And he goes on to give two reasons why. The first reason is a negative reason. Those who rely on themselves instead of on Jesus, they become enemies of the cross. If Jesus died for you on the cross and you say, I couldn't care less, I'm going to rely on myself, that makes you an enemy of the cross. If you refuse to live with Jesus as your Lord and as your Saviour, you become his enemy. If you decide that you want to live for this world, for the stuff of this world, then you become an enemy of Christ and the enemies of Jesus will be destroyed. Verse 18. For as I've often told you before and now say again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. And their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things. That's the negative reason. Put it perfectly bluntly. You don't follow Paul's example. Strive on as a Christian. You'll be destroyed. But then there's the more positive reason. The more positive reason. In Christ, we've been made citizens of heaven. Jesus is going to come from heaven and save us eternally. He's going to transform these bodies in, into glorious resurrected bodies. We've got an incredible hope in Christ, an incredible future in Christ. Of course we should follow Paul's example and press on to the goal. Verse 20. But our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they'll be like his glorious body. Uh, when you put it like that, it's a no-brainer, isn't it? Uh, fail to follow Paul's example, destruction. Follow Paul's example, you'll be eternally glorified. It's, it's not a hard decision, is it? All right, let's summarise. Uh, how we pull it together. Paul, he, he's looking forward to being resurrected and perfected in Christ, but he says, I'm not there yet. And so what he does, he leaves the past behind, he sets his sights on heaven, he presses on to trust Jesus and live for him, and he says, you Philippians, you've got to do the same. You've got to take the same view, and you've got to follow, the, follow my example. Don't be destroyed as enemies of Christ. Live as citizens of heaven. Press on to the goal. All right. It's pretty obvious how to apply this passage, isn't it? It's no, no great secret. Um, 
Paul's message to the Philippian Christians is God's message to us. We've got to take Paul's view on things. And we've got to follow Paul's example. Take his view, follow his example. Let's think a bit more about each of these. First, we need to take Paul's view. Now, we thought before about people who say you can be perfect already as a Christian. That's a false teaching we need to avoid. We've got to be clear on this. We have not yet attained to the resurrection of the dead. Our lowly bodies have not yet been transformed into glorious bodies. We're not yet through God's judgment uh, with the righteousness that uh, comes from God and is by faith. We're not yet perfect, not in heaven yet. We've got to be clear on this. On the other hand, we don't want to undervalue what we've got in Christ either. I mean, in Christ, we've got something real. Something, something has actually happened to us already. God has, to, to use what Paul said earlier in Philippians, he's begun a good work in us. If you're a Christian, you are now forgiven. If you're a Christian, you are now a citizen of, of heaven. If you're a Christian, God is now at work in you by his Holy Spirit to will and to act according to his good purpose. We saw back in chapter 2. If you're a Christian... You now have great promises. God will bring to completion the good work he's begun in you. God will save you from his judgment. God will resurrect you and perfect you. Can you, can you see, therefore, the, the kind of the two wrong ends of the spectrum? We don't want to claim too much. We don't want to say we've got it all now. But we don't want to say there's nothing that's happened either. Right? Something real has happened in Jesus. We've got excellent things, plenty to rejoice in, plenty of reason to tackle the Christian life with confidence. Friends, Let me put it this way for those of you who are eschatological scholars. Mature Christians have their eschatology right. Those of you who did the eschatology series will recognise something of why we did the eschatology series. Mature Christians have their eschatology right. They understand where we are, what we have and what we don't have. Mature Christians take Paul's view on this. That's That's the first application. Uh, But it's not just about understanding, is it? It's about how we live. And so that's our second application. We've got to follow Paul's example. I reckon he sets out his example very clearly in verse 13. He says he's not perfect, but he knows that perfection is coming. And so verse 13 he says, One thing I do, forgetting what's behind, straining towards what's ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. There's his example, and I reckon there are three things to think about there. Forgetting what's behind, looking to what's ahead, and then pressing on. Let's think about those. What's it going to mean to forget what is behind? How are we going to forget what's behind? How are we going to not look back? Now, I don't think it means we need one of those you know, men in black memory things that you know, clear your memory or something like that. It's, uh, we can't completely erase the past. We shouldn't completely erase the past, but that's not what Paul's talking about. Now, this is what Paul means. He means that we don't view anything in our past as being able to influence our future in Christ. Did you get that? We don't view anything in our past as being able to influence our future in Christ. Let me give you a couple of examples. You might have some some serious skeletons in your closet. You might have done some really, really bad stuff. Uh, You might have things in your past that you are really uh, deeply ashamed of. 
You know, it doesn't matter what you've done. Jesus' death on the cross is enough to pay for it. Jesus' death on the cross is enough to cover it. Jesus can and will forgive you if you rely on him. That thing in your past, it cannot influence your future in Christ. So friend, rely on Jesus and don't look back. Leave it behind. Uh, on the other hand, you might have some great successes behind you. Uh, maybe like Paul, you, you're a, 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 a great Jew. Maybe, you're, uh, maybe you've done some other really good stuff. You've been very generous. You've been very sacrificial, very religious. Maybe you're from a, a long line of, I don't know, Presbyterian ministers or some other thing like that. Right? Maybe you've got great heritage. Maybe there's all this good stuff in your past. Friend, no matter what it is, it's not good enough to make you right with God. It's not good enough. Believe me, you do not want to stand before God on judgment day relying on your own righteousness. Uh, Paul put it so graphically in the last passage. Can you imagine you're standing before God and you offer to him two big buckets of manure and you say, here you go, God, accept me on the basis of this righteousness. Don't try to impress God with your righteousness. It is a sure recipe for disaster. Whatever good you may have done, that's great. Whatever you're proud of, good on you. It cannot influence your future in Christ. Not in the sense that it can get you right with God. Leave it behind you. Don't rely on it. Don't rest on your laurels. Trust Jesus alone and leave it behind. We forget what's behind Instead, says Paul, we look forward, we fix our eyes on the goal. And what a goal it is. If we keep going in Christ, it's going to be much better than Australia Zoo. The day will come when God raises us to life. You might have a, a nice body now, but it's a lowly body compared to the glorious resurrected body. And those of us who are getting older, I think we'll appreciate it all the more. It's going to be a great day when there'll be no more sin to struggle with. No more death to fear. No more going to a funeral of a little 20-week baby that so longed for by his parents and died, as many of us did on Friday night. That day's going to be gone. It's a glorious, glorious goal ahead of us. And it's worth our while to take out time day by day to reflect on it, to think about it. And then finally, we need to keep striving. Now, following Paul's example means we press on. Friends, never, ever, ever let anything stop you from trusting in Jesus. There is nothing so good in this world that it, can be make, that it can make it worth giving up on the goal, missing out on the goal. There is no money or power or sex or influence or anything like that that could possibly make it worth giving up on heaven. There's nothing that can be so bad that it could stop you or should stop you, that, it, that it should make you give up on Jesus. No matter what happens... 
We've got to cling tight to Jesus. As Winston Churchill said, never, ever, ever give up. Friends, uh, like new musicians, we are not there yet. We have a great goal. Not six years practice and you get your hands around a musical instrument. No, 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 no. Our goal is eternal glory and it's going to take a lifetime of standing firm in Christ. We're not there yet. So like I keep encouraging my son Joshua, sometimes with threats, sometimes with promises, you've got to keep practising. You've got to keep doing your music practice. You've got to keep at it as a Christian day by day. We've got, to apply, we've got to apply Paul's son's musical advice to me, to ourselves as Christians. We've got to say, by grace I am not what I was. But by grace I'm not what I will be either. I've got to press on. Friends, the goal's before us. Let's forget what's behind. Let's look forward and let's press on. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we thank and praise you for the glorious future that awaits those who trust in Jesus as their Saviour and King. We thank you that by his shameful, painful death on the cross, he bore all the judgment and sin and death that belongs to us. He paid the full price and now you have raised him from the dead and he's seated at your right hand and he is ready to forgive and welcome all who rely on him. Our Father, please help us to trust Jesus and please help us to never, ever, ever stop trusting Jesus. Help us to press on to the goal and help us to do this together to encourage each other. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.